Merry Christmas, Christ City Church. Uh, thank you for spending a few moments with us uh, together this Christmas Eve. I hope that this evening, as we prepare for the celebration of Christ's birth tomorrow, that whatever holiday stress that you've had leading into today, that it's giving way to joy. I, I hope that there's a hurried stillness that's beginning to settle over you and your home. Although I suspect there may be some anxiousness that's a buzz in you and around you, the kind of kind of anxiousness that arrives on the eve of an arrival, uh, the, the good kind of anxiousness, the right kind, the kind that's befitting an Advent celebration that ought to adorn Christ's arrival into the world. For we are set to celebrate a unique moment in history, a moment that was unlike any other. So, Merry Christmas. Leading up to tonight, over the past several weeks of Advent, we at Christ City Church, we've been uh, collectively reflecting on the Isaiah 9 passage that Nikki read earlier. It's a passage that's an Advent passage, a passage that anticipated the coming of Christ, but that was written generations before Jesus' birth. We've, we've been considering what the prophet Isaiah meant about how it is that God shines light into dark places. How is it that a deep darkness gives way to the dawn of a new day? We've been wondering together, uh, oh, what does this mean? What did it mean to them then? And certainly, what does it mean to us now? And how is it that Jesus is the truth of this passage, the, the fulfiller of this passage? You see, in, in Isaiah 9, uh, the prophet is casting a vision, a glimpse into what Jesus would finally and faithfully accomplish when he would arrive. The prophet says that there will be rejoicing because a child is to be born, a son that will be given by God. And that child would shatter the yoke of oppression. The prophet, writing hundreds of years before Jesus is born, says in Isaiah 9:4, You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the, the rod of their oppressor. In, in other words, the baby that would be born in Bethlehem would bring liberation and freedom. The Savior would, would rescue the people from the things that oppress and that bind us. This would include our sins, those things that separate us from God and God's love. It would include our addictions, our habits, our mindsets that lock us in on ourselves and prohibit us from the life of liberation that Jesus provides but it would also include the systems and structures of oppression. The systems and structures that enslave one people and privilege another. Jesus was coming to shatter those too. Coming to shatter histories that are whitewashed over yet rife with a narrative of dehumanization and yet still have strangling effects on a people. Jesus intended to demolish those as well. The prophet continues to describe the darkness breaking work that the light would accomplish. Verse 5, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. It uses imagery of a fire, which, which in the Bible is often symbolic of a purging, a, a purification or a washing, if you will. Isaiah says that the things stained by violence will be burned. The remnants of tragedy will be what fuels the purification. This part of the passage, we, we don't often associate with an Advent message because it reminds us that in Isaiah's world, and in Jesus' world for that matter, 
that all wasn't calm and all wasn't bright. Not, not immediately, anyways. For those walking in darkness, the light would be a liberation and a purification. Perhaps another way to say this is that Jesus came to save us and came to wash us, me as a person and us as a people. Jesus is a light to our world because he offers rescue to us individually and collectively. This salvation, this gospel that Jesus extends to us isn't only individualistic, nor is it only collectivistic, but it is holistic. It is cosmic and all-encompassing. This good news is limitless. The thing is, what is especially beautiful about this Advent image that is offered by Isaiah isn't just what this light does to us, but what it does for us. Verse 6, the prophet continues, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The prophet is stirring in our imaginations the possibility of peace and comfort and consolation, just strength rather than oppressive violence. Isaiah would go on to say that of this kingdom, that, that of God's light-bearing established kingdom, that there would be justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Peace, justice, righteousness, This is what the prophet understood would break forth out of darkness and dawn in our lives and in the world. This is why we sing the Christmas hymn, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. No more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace. We sing this joyous song because what Isaiah anticipated in the hymn writer carols and Jesus incarnates was a beautiful dawning of a new day emerging from a long, dark night. Because, well, as as the Gospel of John says, God so loved the world. I I, I will say, though, that, that this year I've experienced a lot of anxiety around this truth of tension. This year, more than any other, I've asked a load of questions about the hows and the whens and the wheres and the whos of God's light shining in the darkness. In a year that has had so much darkness for so many, sickness and death and pandemics and violence and injustice and lies and fires and confusion. This this year has felt like and been like a long dark night. And with each wave of darkness that has crashed against our collective lives, I've found myself asking, God, tell me again, how will your light break through? And, and Lord, when like when is it gonna break through? And not just how and when, but spirit, like where and through whom will this light dawning happen in this never-ending solstice that has been 2020? And I suspect that the prophet Isaiah felt this too. For he was surrounded by enemies without and within. And as he and as Israel faced uncertainty and as his community faced down their oppression and their oppressors, as they faced 
the weight and consequences of their own sin as they faced an exile and their own long dark nights. We live in a unique vantage point, though. We live in between the two dawnings, the, the first one and the one to come. We can look back at the first advent, at Jesus' first arrival, that first Christmas, even as we anticipate Jesus' second advent, his, his second coming, when he will faithfully, fully, and finally set right all that is wrong and heal all that is broken. Catholic author, uh, Father Richard Rohr, he writes about the price that we pay for living in between these two advents, and that that price is that we do hold a bit of tension about the hows and the whens and the wheres and the whos of it all. But, he writes, we never lose sight of or faith in the that of it all. We know that a light will dawn. We know that, in fact, a light will shine in the darkness. Because in the Gospels, all of Isaiah's questions get answered. So they take their time in coming. John would respond in Isaiah, uh, John would respond to Isaiah in chapter 1, verse 4, in him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Luke would respond, alerting shepherds that a light had dawned, as the angel said in Luke 2, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Matthew's gospel would tell us of this light dawning in Matthew 1. Speaking of Mary, she will give birth to a son. And you, Joseph, are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. For us to live as an Advent people, for us to live in light of Christmas, is to hold the full mystery and the full story of our faith that endures the darkness, knowing that a light will soon appear and that for those living in a deep darkness, a light will dawn. We, uh, we're just days removed from the winter solstice, the longest night of the year which coincided with the rare arrival of the Christmas star, the, the aligning of Saturn and Jupiter shining bright in the darkest night sky. A fitting invitation to us to be those that not only anticipate the return of the one who is the light of the world, but to likewise shine, reflecting the light of hope, of joy, of love, and of peace that Jesus has deposited into the lives of those that follow him. Churches, we anticipate the return of Jesus, our great light. Let us also be light in a world that desperately needs Christmas hope. Let me pray. Jesus, you are our light. You are our hope and our salvation. You are the one to whom we look and trust. God, I pray that as we move through the outro of this year as we move through the conclusion of the Advent season, God, that we will not only look to you as the light of our lives and of our world, but that we will also reflect your light to each other and to our world, pointing all who would see that there is hope that is found in Jesus, in whose name I pray.